0: Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Across the ASEAN, only on Money FM
1: 89.3. Welcome back to Across the ASEAN. Uh, the last couple of weeks has really been pockmarked by a lot of volatility in the markets. It's coming from even more heightened volatility from the commodity space. And uh, it doesn't take a genius to actually notice that uh, pump prices and the cost of transportation has risen because of the sudden surge in crude oil prices. We've also seen it back off in recent days in fairly dramatic fashion as well. But a lot of this volatility, well, of course, coming from the events out in uh, out in Ukraine, especially with Russia's continued invasion and also belatedly, um, some of these issues with regards to the co- new COVID 19 lockdowns in certain parts of China. Well, how might this all actually feed into the region? Well, today on Across the ASEAN, we're pleased to be joined by Mr. Ong Sin Beng, who is the chief economist for the ASEAN region at JP Morgan. He's also their head of research for EM in Asia. And he's here to uh, speak to us about uh, what he's tracking and how this is all shaping uh, events in the, in the Southeast Asian region. Mr. Wong, thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to hear you and your loved ones are still safe and in good health during these times. And welcome back to the show, sir. It's been a while. I hope you've been well.
0: Thanks so much, JP. Everything's been well, and hope the same with you too.
1: All right. So we will start off uh, with uh, you know oil, of course. And one thing I've noticed, and many have noticed, since the start of, the, of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, I believe it's now coming to week four, actually. It's the impact that it's having on fuel prices from Singapore to Manila, pretty much across the region. This is already on top of already elevated price pressures. And I think the big question everyone has is how these fuel prices and these oil prices are feeding into inflationary expectations. How serious might this be to both inflation and also consumer sentiment in the region?
0: Great. Thanks for that question, JP. I mean, for us, oil energy is a very basic input to pretty much everything. It goes into, obviously, electricity. It goes into your pump price at at, at, um, the vehicular level, at the transport level as well. So it is a critical component. And given that it is fairly ubiquitous into most inputs, it will have a significant impact potentially on consumer sentiment and consumer prices in particular. And how this feeds into consumer spending in general is that if you assume that incomes don't change very much and your supply side, your your input costs, energy and such as you mentioned go up this means that your relative pricing um, power effectively goes down not your purchasing power rather goes down and that's the primary um, channel through which this impacts um, uh, the, uh, the consumer at the household level it also impacts corporates let's not forget because in as much as they are unable to pass on those prices, their margins also get squeezed, which also impacts their own behavioral um, response as well. And finally, I think one thing that we shouldn't um, ignore is the other channel, which is through the external channel, in the sense that if you see the same thing happening in other countries, that means that demand for exports from Asia or imports from Asia, rather, um, will also be diminished. And this will also impose a secondary impact on us through the external channel through trade. So it is multiple channels. But I think, as you say, energy prices have come down. But one thing I think is, worth observing is that it is um, in specific areas, but there's been a broad-based increase in, in broad commodities over the course of the last several months since the end of last year. So it is not just oil, but it is a fairly broad-based dynamic as well. And I think that's something we should continue monitoring aside from um, um, oil prices, as, as you mentioned earlier.
1: So where well, there's crude oil, there's also a lot of these price spikes across these major commodities and key commodities as well, which fig- figure as key imports for economies across the ASEAN. And I, of course, the big question is how, whether or not this will also lead to it, an impact on the current account uh, balances or, or even deficits for some of the economies here in the ASEAN region. Um, who do you think might be most vulnerable to this?
0: It's typically the country. So when we look at the current accounts, it's effectively reflecting the the import component um, or the size of energy in in imports for these countries. And the regions as a whole are effectively net energy importers with the exception of Indonesia um, and uh, Malaysia. Uh, Malaysia does primarily natural gas. Indonesia does a combination of different energy components, including coal as as well as gas. Uh, On that count, both those two should see actually an improvement in the external balances, um, which will, again, impact to some different degree. The currencies as well. Um, and uh, in the rest of the region, for example, Thailand, Philippines, um, we'll see a rise in the uh, the import bill, which means that um, the currency should also reflect some of that too. So it is going to be fairly divergent across the region. But I think the broader point is that if there is a redist- redistributive element of, of commodity prices in the sense that the importers will basically see their bills go up, whereas the exporters will see uh, the, the export revenues go up. So it's a fairly divergent impact. And ASEAN you know, puts that showcase you know, right Up front and center, in terms of that redistributive effect, if you will.
1: Mm -hmm. You brought up Indonesia, which I think is a very interesting case because, on the flip side, that particular country is quite resource rich and some say could benefit from rising commodity prices from uh, nickel. I believe they've still produced some amounts of crude oil and also palm oil. Um, Is this a bright spot, perhaps, for some for in across the ASEAN? amidst all of this volatility? Or do you think that Indonesia, given how big their population and their demands, probably won't have as much of a benefit from these rising or these volatile commodity prices?
0: I think that's, that's a great question, JP. I mean, for us, it's it's effectively uh, multi, uh, multi, uh, multiple channels, right? So the first is that the exporters should effectively get gain some of the um, the benefits of higher coal and palm oil prices, you mentioned. But one should also should not also forget there's also a tax component there as well. So the government also enjoys uh, some share of that um, tailwind, if you will, from high commodity prices. And because of that um, benefit to the government, they can also afford to uh, mitigate if you will, the, the impact of, of these rising prices on the consumer. And that's what we've seen happen to varying degrees across the ASEAN region, not just Indonesia. So the sense that there's some mitigation, in the sense that the full impact of the energy price rise is not yet felt at the household level. And that's because of these some of these subsidies or transfers, if you will. Now, the issue is that do they have enough space um, from a government perspective to actually support um, elevated prices going forward? And I think it differs from country to country, but the ones that have most space are the ones that are seeing exactly that kind of um, uh, uh, um, benefit, which is Malaysia and Indonesia. And we expect to see, as a result, inflation remain fairly quiescent in these countries because of that fiscal space, if you will. So I would say it's, it's a divergent narrative, but I would say the beneficiaries are the ones who, who are exporting um, the commodities in the, in the first instance.
1: All right, we're still speaking to Ong Sinbeng, he's the chief economist for the ASEAN region and EM Asia head of research at J.P. Morgan. Of course, we're on across the ASEAN talking about the impact of these rising commodity prices on economies in this region. But that's not the only thing the region is tracking, actually, Sinbeng. Um, We have, of course, front and center tomorrow, the Federal Reserve's much-anticipated decision early tomorrow morning. Recent events, and especially these commodity price swings, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, may have made their decision a bit more complicated. Now, could the same be said for central bankers across the ASEAN amidst these new risks? And if so, who might be under the most pressure to either to act or not act in the region?
0: Yeah, I think that's a great question, JP. I mean, for us, we tend to think about through the lens of the reaction functions of central banks. Effectively, it, it gives us a sense of which central bank responds to inflation, which central bank responds to growth, um, and which central bank responds to what we call external conditions, effectively you know, tighter monetary conditions, for example, with the Fed raising rates. And for us, you know, within that general tapestry, Indonesia had been both sensitive to inflation and the Federal Reserve. But what's happened of late, because of the benefit from the terms of trade or, or higher commodity prices, they're actually much less sensitive to the external conditions as they had in the past. So this is unusual in the sense that, you know, historically they've been much more sensitive to the Federal Reserve and that has declined substantially. So right now within the ASEAN region, what had been a country sensitive to external conditions is now no longer there as in the case of Indonesia. The rest are much more sensitive, I would say, to inflationary conditions um, and within to varying degrees as well. So Malaysia, they're much more sensitive to growth, for example, um, whereas Singapore is more sensitive to inflation. So again, there's varying degrees of sensitivity, but I would say the most sensitive would be Singapore in terms of the inflation. Inflationary impulse because that's exactly the mandate of the of the Central Bank and the Monetary Authority of Singapore. While in, in other countries, uh, that sensitivity also differs. So aside from Singapore, the other country sensitive is Indonesia. And the one that is least sensitive in our in- estimation to
1: inflation is actually Bank Nagara of, of Malaysia. I want to shift our focus now to China. And we have noticed these broader lockdowns now because of worrisome resurgence, at least of COVID-19 infections. How closely are you watching these lockdowns in Shenzhen and across the region of Jilin? And could these lockdowns lead to more headwinds for the region, given how connected we are to China's economy? Right. No, I think that that's absolutely
0: an excellent point. I mean, the, the key concern for us is really the supply chain dynamic. I mean, we we do know that China is the manufacturing base for the region, if not the world. And if you have stoppages in China, it does mean you have this bottlenecking that effectively transmits both upstream and downstream in terms of the um, good supply chain. So that means that if you're an exporter that exports to China, if they lock down the factories, that means your exports or your goods will be sitting in, in, in some storehouse somewhere. And if you're an importer, let's say you're uh, importing goods from China, if they're not opening their factories, that could also affect you. So we saw elements of that uh, right at the beginning of COVID in in early 2020, and it was very, very disruptive. Um, Our concern is that that disruption um, could resume if these lockdowns extend much beyond what they have already. So that is certainly a concern, which will create this broader logjam in supply chains, will not just affect Asia, but also the world more broadly as well. So because of that, we're looking at the developments very closely. And so far, I would say it's quite benign. But if it continues to, the cases continue to rise and further lockdowns emanate from that, then I would say that's certainly a source of concern for the broader recovery, at least in the goods sector.
1: And overall, bundling all of the memorable events of the last few weeks, has this impacted JP Morgan's outlook and forecasts for economies across the ASEAN?
0: As in general, yes, it has. So it's basically led to a, a modest decline in growth because, as we mentioned, because of the um, the consumer price channel, um, we've also marked down growth a little bit on account of the external channel, predominantly emanating from the European era because they've marked down their growth. But the, the revisions so far have been relatively modest. I think the risk is that if we do see further slowdowns externally, um, then I would say that the downside risks are still there, but we'll have to watch and wait. And also we have to watch and wait and see what happens in China as well. So there are multiple factors we're watching. Um, so I think... From from that perspective, um, we've been very watchful in terms of, of what happens.
1: All right. Ong Asin Bang, Chief Economist for the ASEAN region at J.P. Morgan, also J.P. Morgan's Head of Research for EM Asia. Thank you so much for joining us today on Across the ASEAN to help us take stock of the memorable events we've seen across the world in the last few weeks and what its impact might be for the region. As always i wish you and your loved ones continued health and safety during these times and we look forward to the next time you can join us on the show. Meanwhile, i hope you have a great Wednesday and rest of the week ahead sir. Thank you and you too JP.
0: Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app